The scripture you've just heard has, has been fulfilled in your presence this very day. What a thought. They read it every single Saturday um, in the synagogue, in their little church thing. And, and But Jesus comes in, the presence of God in human form, and he brings life to this script. And suddenly, it's more uncomfortable to be around him. doing here I'll explain if you spend any time around me you're gonna find out that one of my favorite writers in the whole of the Bible is Luke and the reason that I like Luke is this Luke the writer writes the Gospels and the books book of Acts um, from the point of view of a Gentile from, from somebody who's not Jewish and he writes it for people who are not necessarily Jewish in their upbringing. Boom, that would be me. And so that's why I like him. Now, I want to give you a brief, super quick drive-by recap of the beginning of the chapters of Luke. Because this is what it looks like. Uh, first two chapters deal with the Christmas narrative and the birth, birth of Jesus. Uh, third chapter, this character called John the Baptist, who's an absolute radical, uh, turns up in the desert and tells them that the Messiah is coming. And then at the end of chapter three, you've got this whole lineage of Jesus, which plants him in the historical line um, of David. And, and, and so, so that they have a historical background for, for Jesus being the Messiah. Then chapter four deals with the temptation of Jesus uh, by the devil um, who's, who's trying to get Jesus to give up his plan um, and he can't. It's awesome. Uh, so, so no spoiler alert, you can read this yourself. Um, and then in chapter four, later on, uh, verse 14, 16 uh, to 19, uh, Jesus walks into his hometown of Nazareth. Um, I had to have a couple of goes at saying that. He walks into his, his, his hometown of Nazareth um, and he goes to the synagogue. Now, synagogue, what is the synagogue? Well, synagogue is, is like a cultural center and a church combined, right? Because in Jerusalem, you've got this big temple. That's a long way to go for a lot of people. And, the, and Jewish people are spread all over the Roman world and, and, and further than that, actually. Um, and so they can't often get back to Jerusalem to go to the temple. So they have these little cultural centers where they sit down and they read the law of Moses and they do all that. And Jesus turns up in this cultural center church that they call the synagogue. And honestly, you'd expect to find him there, right? I mean, really. Um, when we go to church, we expect to find God there. We expect to find Jesus there, right? But it's like, welcome to the house of the Lord, right? We've all heard that expression, it's the house of God. Uh, so we expect to find him there. And that's where we find Jesus on this particular day. Now, it says that they hand him a scroll to read. They, they don't just hand these scrolls out willy-nilly to any drifter that walks in off the street. This this scroll that they hand him might actually be his traditional family reading. 
Now, if you've got questions about why I might think that, you just give me an email or, or find a, send me an email on our website, all right? right? Um, or come and see me if you're in town. Uh, because there's, there's reasons to believe that this might be his family scroll and, and the traditional reading of the Bar Joseph family line. So, so anyway, he gets handed this scroll. Now, whatever, whether it's his family reading or not, it's not random. Right, because Jesus gets handed this, and this is what he reads, right? So we're going to pick the story up in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, told you, not lying, his boyhood home, told you that too, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, which for them was Saturday, right? So synagogue, so I'm not lying about any of this. And he stood up to read from the scriptures, and the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. See, I'm not making any of this up. It's right here. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this is written. Now listen to what he reads. <laughs> and remember who he is. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. You're not kidding. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that blind eyes people will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all the eyes of the people in the synagogue were intently on him. Then he began to speak to them, and he said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Dun, dun, dun. You can almost hear Beethoven in the background. Dun, 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 dun. It's, it's like this. The scripture you've just heard has, has been fulfilled in your presence this very day. The crowd at this point are not very happy. Everybody speaks well of him till this point. And then as you read down, if you don't believe me, take your Bible out and, and have a read. You read down to the end of, end of uh, um, verse 29 and of, of that chapter. And, and the people are so unhappy at him and so annoyed at what he's saying um, that they, they try to throw him off a cliff. Now, that's more than just unhappy. That's murderously unhappy. And, and they try to throw him off the cliff. Now, why? Why? Why would they do that? For the simple reason that suddenly the living presence of God picks up this book and he brings life to the script. <laughs> As they read this every Saturday. They read from this book every Saturday. The law, the, 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 the minor prophets, the, the wisdom literature, the Psalms of David, the songs and the poetry and the historical books. They read it every single Saturday um, in the synagogue, in their little church thing. And, and, but Jesus comes in, the presence of God in human form, and he brings life to this script. And suddenly, it's more uncomfortable to be around him. Now, they expect him to be in the synagogue. They expect the presence of God there, but they don't expect it like this. 
and it bothers them so much, they want to silence him by killing him. What a thought. <laughs> it bothers them so much. They want to silence him by throwing him off a cliff. Now, like I said, we expect Jesus to be in church. We like him being there. Um, now, we may not go, but there's a familiarity. You, could, you, can, you know where to turn up to find God. Uh, you, you know where to go in a crisis. Um, when we need his services. Um, when people who never normally ever go to church, they have a child, they, they, they want the child to be dedicated. They want, they want to do the whole ceremony thing and, and, in, and just involve God in some way. So it's, it's good pictures, right? People who, who never normally go to church, they want to get married in a church. They make all sorts of vows and promises to God, a God they don't believe in standing at the front of a church. Uh, so when we need him, we know where to find him. It's like, hey, hey, you know, when, when we want a good picture opportunity, we'll come. And so that we know where to find him. Um, but, but now... Now, it's all new. Why? Because life has pounded into this script. It's come alive. He's made it living and he's made it active. And he said, it's right here among you today. <laughs> now, now, let me explain something. You see, the problem is, it doesn't end with chapter four. Chapter four precedes chapter five. And in chapter five, verse one to three, we find Jesus walking down the street next to the Sea of Galilee. And as he's walking alongside the lake, it says that he's teaching the word of God and there's a massive crowd pressing in around him. And he looks up and he sees two fishermen's boats where they parked them because that's where they've left their boats while they're cleaning their nets. And so he gets in the boats, one of the boats, and he asks them to push off into the lake so that he can teach the people from the boat on the lake shore. Now let me ask you some very basic questions. What is he doing? You see, <laughs> he's supposed to be in the synagogue. He's supposed to stay in the church where we know where to find him. He's supposed to only do what we want him to do. But he doesn't. So... We find him turning up at the fisherman's place of work. And now... <laughs> I don't know how you'd feel about that. Because... What would you do if he turned up at your place of work? And what would you do if he turned up at your place of work and he was actually better at your job than you were? Which he was with this particular bunch of fishermen. Now, what's he doing there? Well, I'll tell you what he's doing there. He's doing exactly the same as he did when he was in the synagogue. And that's the point. He goes and brings life to the script. And he takes the script out of a book and he takes the script out of a building and he walks it down the street of the town where he lives. 
and it scares the tar out of people. Doesn't just do it with some fishermen. In chapter 5 and verse 27, he turns up at a tax collector's booth. Now, forget H&R Block. This is not your friendly, neighborly tax collector's booth. This is a tax collector's booth where he has armed Roman soldiers guarding him because he's ripping off people. And he turns up this tax collector's booth and he asks the tax collector, the rip-off merchant, if he will follow him. He says, hey, come on, follow me. Now, these people leave stuff. They, they leave their boats, they leave their tax collector's booths, they leave all these types of things. Why? You see, he doesn't ever offer them fame. He doesn't offer them money. Now, you would have thought that would have been a, a great incentive for a tax collector, but he doesn't offer them money. He doesn't offer them fame. He doesn't offer them an easy life. Certainly doesn't do that. He doesn't offer them political power. But they follow him, and they follow him because he has something. He has something that they don't have. He has life in the middle of the script. He creates havoc in the mundaneness of their ordinary life. This is kingdom havoc turning up in the middle of their lives. Wow. It's, it's not in church. He takes the script and brings it to life where they live in the middle of the noise and the bustle and the mess of their life. He turns up. What a thought. You see, I love this because Honestly, what would it be like if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit turned up at our place of work? Now, you might think, well, that's okay if he turns up at yours because you're a pastor and you work in a church. But what if, he, what if he turns up in your place of work? It's just a great thought. Now, there was this guy called Stanley Tan. Now, this is not an internet story. This is a true story. Um, I know... It's true because my dad was there and he watched this happen. They were eating in a very posh restaurant in a hotel. And the waitress who served them was doing really great, did a great job for him. And she gave him the bill at the end. And Stanley is a very wealthy guy, could have left her a big tip. And he did leave her a good tip. But what he actually did is he took the bill and he wrote a message on the bottom of the bill. My dad didn't see what it said. And as they walked out of the restaurant, they said goodbye to the waitress and they were walking through the hotel lobby. And all of a sudden, the waitress comes running out of the restaurant and chases them into the lobby of the hotel. And she said to Stanley, she said, how did you know? How did you know? And she held up the bill and he'd written this message on the bottom and the message was exactly about her life. And he said, he said, I know because I'm a follower of Jesus and um, I believe he told me something about your life. And she started to cry. She just lost it right there in the middle of 
the hotel lobby. Now, <laughs> what does Stanley do? Well, I'll tell you what he didn't do. He didn't say, why don't you come to church and meet our pastor? And he can sprinkle you with pastor dust. Didn't do that. No, he did. He looked at this waitress and he said, do you want to invite Jesus into your life right now? She said, yes. If he can do this, yes. And much to my dad's incredible embarrassment and the embarrassment of everybody else who was around, Stanley asked this girl to kneel down with him right in the middle of the, the posh restaurant foyer of this hotel, right in the middle, didn't even find a quiet corner knelt down with her right there, put his hand on her shoulder and prayed with her to receive Jesus and ask to begin the journey of following Jesus in her life. <laughs> I want that. I do. I ask myself, when was the last time I prayed with somebody in a, in a restaurant or a cafe? And I don't mean saying grace over the meal. I mean meeting somebody who's got a need and, and saying, I want to pray for you right now, right now. Now, how? How do I get that? Where does it start? Well, it starts right here. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19. In fact, it starts right back at the beginning where we started. Let me read this to you. Because it starts with me saying that I understand and I recognize that the spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. And he's anointed him to bring good news, good news to me. To get good news to me, a poor lost wretch. And maybe today you are like me, a poor lost wretch. And maybe that's where we start. We say to him, you've come to give good news to me. And this is what he said. He, he said, he, he came to proclaim freedom to captives, to bind up the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of people who are spiritually blind. Now, I don't know which one of those you identify with most, but honestly, if you're asking me, I identify with them all. And maybe, just maybe, it's time that I stop pretending that I have all the answers and I stop pretending that I have everything together because I clearly don't. Maybe, like me, you, right now, might need to grab hold of these two verses in Luke chapter four, verse 18 and 19, and say, hey, I need that good news. I need to live in the time of the Lord's favor. No wonder Jesus ticked people off. He just wouldn't stay in church. You know what he did? brought life to this script and maybe maybe he can bring life to the script of your life just like he's bringing life to the script of mine hey thanks for listening and um, look at Luke chapter 4 verse 18 and 19 and I pray that as you do the Holy Spirit grabs hold of those words and helps you and me to ask him to bring life to the script of our lives. Bless you, stay safe. 
የኢየሱስ ክርስቶስ ሕይወቱን ለእናሳልፎ ስለሰጣ ቶክሰን ዛሬ ትሽሰኝ ፓራኪቶዶ አኬል ከኔል ክሪያ ኒስት ቪሎሬን ቬአደን ባት ሃቭ ኢተርናል ላይፍ Hi, really quick announcement. Um please look at the church website to find out for this and register for it. Um and look at the email that uh, Michelle will send out because on Wednesday nights starting in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a course run at the church here. Now everything's going to be set out differently, very spaced out. Um Miriam Sands is going to host this and facilitate it um you can find out about the course by just googling the sanctuary mental health all right because this is a mental health course and it's mental health from a christian perspective so if you um if you just look at that and register for it um it would be great to see you there we can only have 15 people but it's going to be a great time uh, together as we look at the incredibly important uh, subject of mental health from a christian perspective and and what it means to us and how we re- interact with people with with that as part of their lives all right so please look at the website and look at michelle's email and don't forget to register bless you